The scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but not, did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry, uh, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. As is fairly usual with me, I want to sing the praises of uh, Don and Conrad. Um, All they got was a couple copies of this song that we did. Uh, one in the key of D, one in the key of E, and that's all I said. I said, follow me. So if they did follow me, that's because they're listening intently. If they didn't make it, that's my fault because I was going where no one has gone before. All of, those, all of those versions, and except for the one about joy in my heart, I learned in Sunday school in VBS. And I don't want to tell you how many years ago I learned them, but I learned them. And... Uh, and it is, a, it is a song that comes right out of this scripture, the oil in our lamp, and give me oil in my lamp. And it's a great thing, um, it, all of that. And just for the record, unction is oil. The you know, extreme unction in the Catholic Church, the last rites, it's the oil that's poured on the person who goes through that. It's the unction and in the gumption. Every one of these talks about things that we need to get through life to the end. That's what it's about. Now, I want to begin today our time in this passage. Some of you are noting this, and you're just delighting in this already, that we finally made it to Matthew 25. Well, yes, we did. But as I was going through this, I was reading through backwards, So I read chapter 25, and then I went back and I read through chapter 24. And as I'm reading that, and I'm I'm just trying to say, okay, Lord, where are you going with this? Where are you going with this? And I got a sense for the first time, because I hadn't thought about it before, that as Jesus is speaking to the disciples, he's speaking out of great sadness, Sadness for his creation, sadness out of his love for all of us, all of the people, sadness out of what is going to happen in these end times, and sadness over what's really going to happen in his life roughly over the next 48 hours. 
because this is late in that last week of his life here on earth. And it was for me a revelation. And, and I was thinking about it, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with but I but I think this idea of Jesus speaking in Matthew 24 with a when Matthew 25, as he's teaching, there is, I believe, this, there's love as he's teaching, obviously, but I believe there is this edge of sadness in his voice about what is going to happen. It's about what's going to happen to the people in it. It's the Father's heart. Judgment doesn't come without a cost. And I think the Father has that understands that, goes through that. Now, I want to review very quickly. The passage starts at that time. Well, that gives us an opportunity to review. What do you mean, at that time? He's referring to chapter 24 in its entirety, okay? At that time, at the time that he was telling that all these things are going to happen and reference there, and Matthew 24 is a challenge for us, all the things that we have to look forward to, and it's not happy news, And Matthew 25 is therefore the continuation, the conclusion of the teaching of the end times. And he does it by by giving two parables and then a little thing. But as he's speaking to this and he's speaking to the disciples, the disciples want to know, tell us, what's going to happen? And like many of us, they want the information as if if they have the information, they can prepare, they can be ready, they can control what's going to happen but not necessarily what to know what their responsibility might be. And as we went through chapter 24, we saw that. It's all about responsibility. When we get to these end times, and they're going to be terrible, far worse than what we're experiencing now, when we get there, many will fall away from the Lord. Most people's love will grow cold. Verse 12, 24, 12, from the Lord. But those who endure to the end, he or she shall be saved. And the responsibility that every one of us has that we saw in Matthew 24 was for us to be on the alert, to live prepared. That's where this is going. Now, that brings us to the passage, and Anne did a great job reading for us. At that time... And he's telling a new parable. Remember the parables? They all have to be really pretty much all to do about the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven was being compared. Well, specifically, these are parables that are talking about what the kingdom of heaven will be like at that time. It's looking ahead. This would be the kingdom reality. And as we're reading through this, you're going to be hearing about wedding customs. Wedding custom. We get a glimpse into it. See, we don't really know what weddings were like, how they handled. We get glimpses in the Bible, but really they, there's no records of what they did. But they understood. And so when Jesus is talking about all these things, it made sense to them. We have to kind of recreate it. So we get the fact that a wedding in a small town, most of the towns were small, would have been a social event of the year. The community was involved. They would have been invited. If you ever get a chance to look, you can go online and you can pick up a fiddler on the roof. When they get married in Fiddler on the Roof, the movie, you see the whole town come out after, after, after sunset. And they come out and there's a whole wedding thing. That's what this is. A wedding was a time of great joy. 
wedding time would have. It was the center of it. Well, wasn't well. There was the vows that was for the for the couple, but the center of it was the celebration, the banquet. And it could we do know from John that it could go on for a long, long time, even up to a week. There would have been a procession in the town, like in that movie, Fiddler on the Roof. A little bit different, but you would you'd have seen it. We get that from this passage. It would have happened at nighttime, at sunset, and later. There would have been a time that we learn here that the people would be waiting. What were they waiting for? Well, they're waiting for the final arrival of the bridegroom to get all gussied up and come on out. And it was at that time, see, they're not, they, they would have heard that the wedding's happening. But at that time, when the bridegroom comes, there would be someone coming before him, making the announcement, and inviting everybody to the feast. That's good. We got it. Okay. That's the culture. So, that's what they're doing. And what happens here, there are ten virgins who take their lamps and go out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them are foolish, five were wise. We'll come back to that in just a moment. The foolish ones, they took their lamps, because it's nighttime, and the lamps would be little oil lamps, little self-contained oil lamps, equivalent to our flashlights today, okay? And if you don't understand oil lamps, think flashlights and batteries, okay? They took their flashlights, their oil lamps, and they lit them, they went out. And five... But they didn't take extra oil, no extra batteries. So, okay. Now, the other one, the wise ones, the other five, took their oil in jars, extra oil in jars. They kept extra batteries with them, which you can get a 24-pack, a 48-pack, a 100-pack, you know, for, and you get the idea. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and that doesn't sound, in the parable, it doesn't sound like that's, unusual. They all fell asleep. Okay. But at midnight the cry went out and the herald comes through, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. All the virgins woke up, all ten of them wake up, and they trim the lamps. That means they, they have, because the wick's been burning down a little bit, so they have, by the way, these are oil lamps, up these are oil candles up here. And yes, you have to trim the lamps, the, 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 the wicks every once in a blue moon, but you have to refill them with oil. Every week we fill them with oil. They don't just happen to have it. Okay, that's, that's the thing that's happening here. They trim their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, because now they're almost out of oil, said, listen, you've got to give us oil. And they said, no, if we give it to you, we're not going to have enough for us. Look, you've got to go, go, go into the town and sell and buy some of it for yourself. It's interesting that the implication there is they wouldn't have extra oil at home either. And, 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 and if it's a communal event, who's minding the store where they're going to get the oil? It's all kinds of crazy stuff, but it's going to be a difficult thing for them to get the oil. But while they go away to get that oil, to figure out a way to get that, the bridegroom arrives... The five who have all the extra oil with them, they follow them into the wedding feast. And here's the word. The door shut. Ah, the door shut. Later, the five foolish ones come. Knocking on the door, ringing the bell, ding dong. Lord, open the door for us. And from inside, they hear this. Truly I tell you. You've got to pay attention to that. 
who in all of Matthew's gospel has always been saying, truly I tell you, Jesus. So you got to pay attention to that. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're here now. And the door will not open. Wow. It's not a happy parable. But I want to point out a couple things. One is there's a level playing field here. All throughout, a level playing field. There's no, there's no stars here. Everybody comes to this event, everybody that's important in the parable, the ten virgins, they come to this. Ten virgins, literally that means ten virgins, turn young virgin girls. So they're, bef- they're probably coming up to marrying age. They are probably the age of responsibility. Hold on to that. Like the bar mitzvah when the guys become age. So they're there, but they're not married yet. They may be engaged to be married. Doesn't matter. They're ten virgins, and they are now going to, but, you know, but we're doing all of this is kind of a figurative ap- application. Why? Because these virgins have, the, have, the, have this kind of status of they're rookies, they're newbies. If you watch NCIS, if you love it as much as I do, God bless you, they're probies, probationaries. They are just at the place where they would be allowed to be out to do this together. And if for the first time they would be responsible, because they are in that category of life, responsible for how they deal with all the things that are coming down. That's the emphasis here. And they're all in the same boat. Probably never did it before. Probably, you know, have the same teaching about this. Probably have seen their parents do it. Probably have, have been a part of it as part of a family. But now they're the, this group of ten virgins that are there. And it's a special group because they're honored. Because everybody knows that they're heading this way. And now, the division. Five of them are wise. Five of them are foolish. Equal spread. It's not there's still you're going to have two bad apples in the bunch, two dummies, or you're going to have two brilliant ones. It's at five and five. It's half and half. That should scare us. They all face the same deadline, the shutting of the door. They all have probably experienced it before in their families. You know, when the, bank, when the bridegroom comes and enters the bank, when he gets there and people go in, that's it. The door's shut and it doesn't open again. It's all the same. They all sleep, fall asleep. They all wake up together. They all have to trim their lamps. They do, all of them do this. Everybody's doing this. The outcome's the same. They're either going to enter into the celebration, enter into the joy, or they're going to miss the celebration. They're going to miss the joy. And it's the consequence of their action, how they get ready for it, how they prepare for it, the choices they make in doing this, the responsibility they have to think through. That's the emphasis here. Equality and awareness. The parable assumes that they had probably seen this, that they should know this, or they should have known this. And it's such a simple thing. You go out at night and the possibility that you're going to be sitting there awake, you need to make sure that you've got the extra batteries along with you. 
Some of you are just feeling really good about yourself because like in our house, we have a whole, probably a three foot by four foot, three foot deep crate of extra batteries, you know, all sizes from the small, and you're feeling real good about yourself. It's simple. Oil for lamps, reserve for the inevitable delay. But maybe it's not so simple. Regardless, the responsibility for all ten would be given to thought to what was needed and, therefore, have a reserve, an expectation. And that's why in verse 13, what does Jesus say? Therefore, keep watch. Keep watch. You don't know how long the waiting's going to be. But you know there's joy at the end of it, but you should be prepared for it. Keep watch, be vigilant, live prepared. It's, an, it's a calling. It's an act of love by God to let us know what's going to happen. We have an idea of what's going to happen in the future. We know what will be. We, want, we also know what will be our responsibility to get to the end. He who or she who endures to the end will make it. It's always a reminder that God is with us. God will not leave us or forsake us. That's reality. But that means that we have a responsibility to get there. But what if we forsake him? We shouldn't do that. The sadness comes in because five of them miss it. Five get in. And it breaks God's heart for everyone who doesn't get in. But there is that moment. We'll be talking more about that moment because, you know, some people want to get there and want to say, well, 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 you know, give them a break. Well, wait a minute. Everybody had this. (laughs) Everybody has the same. We're coming to it with the same thing. Bottom line, here's what what I'm encouraging you to do. Let's adopt the comparison, the analogy. We need oil in our lamps to get there. We need extra batteries. We need fuel to get us there. This is like your... (coughs) Excuse me. We're going to drive to California. We get everything packed up in the car... We get into the car, and we're looking, and the, and the gas tank's on E. And your loving spouse says to you, let's stop and fill up. No, we'll make it to Ohio before it dries out, okay? This is what it's about. Keeping, keeping our, the oil so that our lives can be burning and burning. We need fuel, And each one of us has the responsibility. And the question then remains just simply this. What do we need? What do we need? I was jotting down some things about what we need. Um, Today we prayed, Lord, give us our daily bread. Well, we need food. Yeah, everybody knows that. We need air. Everybody knows that. But what about the grace of God? What about joy? What about strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow? What about our faith? If we don't pay attention to it, if we let it go and let, and let the lamp burn out and don't keep a reserve, what do we need? 
We need forgiveness. We stumble. We manage to stumble at least once every week. More like more times than that, but we're all still bound by the things that keep us. We're all still under the burden of fear and doubt and all of that. Well, what do we need? We need a refill. We need to keep the oil going, which means it's back in our court. Okay, what do we need and how do I get it? And do it ahead of time. That's what it's about. Life, breath, the breath, bread of heaven, living water, grace, mercy. We talk about great is your faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies, and we don't spend the time to get it. We need time with God. We need time in the Word. We've been talking about that. Each one of us has to work it out how it happens because each one of us is going to be there. See, the bad news, and Jesus has been up front with us, the bad news is this will get worse. But I'll get you through. This will be worse, but I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And he calls us to live prepared. It's the wise thing to do. The foolish thing, not to pay attention. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, You're telling us, you've told us, you've revealed it to us. You've revealed the Father's heart that the Father wants us to get there, that the Father provides for us everything we need to get there. But it relies on each one of us. What do I need? How do I get it? And each one of us is responsible. Father, I pray for a spirit of wisdom for each one of us, everyone who hears my voice. I pray for a spirit of wisdom that will be contagious and it will get out to our families, our friends. They'll see the preparedness and the joy and the love and the strength and the courage in the face of overwhelming craziness and catastrophe. Holy Spirit, come. Grant us this wisdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.